Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Genesis G70 shooting break special edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. Yes, Genesis. What's a Genesis, Andrew? Is it the beginning? Well, I'm not going. I'm not going to go down the cliched prog rock from the 70s. No, it's not that. It is uh, the new brand from the Hyundai Group. Right. Well, new to the UK and Europe. It's been in America for a while. It's been in Asia, and this is their premium brand from the whole group. So it is taking an aim at the likes of Lexus, Audi, Mercedes, BMW, Jaguar. That's what we're looking at as comparison. Right. I had the G70 shooting brake for a week. It is a Europe-only model, isn't it? Yes. Curiously, they're so serious. They've come in with a new model range, and one of the new range is just for Europe. It is. Not only is it that, but I would suggest it is the best-looking of the range as well, particularly in shooting brake form. Mm. This is rival size-wise. You're looking at the likes of the 3 Series, the C-Class, the A4, the XE. Okay. And shooting brake actually is more of an indication that it is uh, a lifestyle stroke sporty estate rather than a huge load lugger. Mm-hmm. So I think I've set the, sure. the sort of basis for what we're talking about. Yeah, we're, we're looking three series estate style. Yeah. So what about engines then? Well, you get two options. You get a 2.2 diesel or the two-lease turbo four-cylinder 16-valve petrol engine, which I had. And mine was mated to an eight-speed auto. And that gave me 241 brake horsepower, 353 newton meters of the torques. That's a lot of torques. It is. And that was fun. Uh, And all this resulted in a 0-62 time of 6.9 seconds and a top speed of 146. So it's brisk but it's not super quick i just find those figures crazy out of a two liter engine sorry that's i i know it's we live in a turbocharged world etc 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 they they just seem like big numbers but i say that to just about anything really when i was driving it i constantly was thinking this is only two liter because to me that should be three liter numbers in my mind the the newton meters is amazing how they've got that out out of that yeah let alone the 241, but anyway. Uh, official mile per gallon for the combined on the WLTP is 32.8, with 195 grams per kilometres of the CO2s. I got 27.8, which I was really impressed with mm. because I mainly did a lot of urban driving in this with a quick That's- black down the motorway as well as some country driving. That's not so bad then. It sounds a bit... When you first say it, but whenever you put it into context, it's not so bad. No, I, I was considering I, it was so heavily weighed to urban, and it was it was mm. basically just a morning of going on the motorway and some driving just for the sake of driving on yeah. A roads and okay. B roads. I, I was very impressed with that because I put it in sport mode, and my right foot is a little heavier, as you point out to people, off the line than most people's. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no sitting around waiting at traffic lights. So, round urban environments, I'm perhaps not the most economical of drivers. Just, I don't, oh no, I don't want to embarrass you. I was going to say, well, for context, of course, your Saab is a two litre turbo. And I was wondering how that compared, but I probably shouldn't ask you that. Not even 20, uh, 19.6 is what I would get in that on the urban only running around. Hmm. That shows that it really is actually a pretty good response. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. With uh, the Genesis, there are three different trim levels. You start with premium line, luxury line, mm-hmm. and sport line. The start of this range in the premium line is £35,325 on the road. For luxury, you add another 2650 and for sport, on top of the premium, 3830 yeah. Okay. I had a luxury line. So my car, because it's a press car, had a couple of options. <laughs> right. Tell me about those options. Napa leather seats at only £2,470. Okay. The color, the the color of the paint, Bond silver matte paint, was one thousand one hundred and thirty. Mm-hmm. I'll go into the colors in a minute. Anyway. Oh dear. The the yeah. The sunroof was nine hundred and sixty. Okay. The Lexicon premium audio system was another seven hundred and ninety. Right. Did you manage to play pumping tunes? Yes. Oh, oh beautiful sound. By the way, okay. we sounded absolutely on. fabulous on it. <laughs> <laughs> the innovation pack, which I will go into details uh, in the technology, is 3,250. Mm. <laughs> and the comfort seat pack was 1,850. The basic car was £40,775. Right. But then with the extras, ended up a smidgen more than that at £51,225. Wow. Ooh, that's Porsche styly. When it comes yeah. to piling on the options. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll go into uh, those options as we get through this, because hmm. some I would go for, others I think are more disposable. Yes. D- depending on your budget. Well, quite. Uh, you're going to bore us to tears with the colours now. Yes, I'll crack on with this quickly. So, uh, Alta White is a solid white, and that's no colour tax. Yay! Uh, so, after that, we have Vic Black, which is metallic black. Unia White, which is metallic pearl white. Savile Silver, which is an unfortunate name, which is silver. <laughs> Havana Red, a deep metallic red. Tasman Blue, which is a metallic dark blue. And they're all £750 options. So the Bond Silver is a matte silver, which if you go on their configurator, looks Doesn't nothing show. like the colour on the configurator because the configurator comes across as though it's undercoat grey, and it's not that at all. The configurator is a bit like that, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Mm, they haven't the quite got the colours down at all. You'd need to go and see them or get a brochure and look at the colours themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the configurator doesn't do a good job for the colour side of things, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, you'd need to see proper proper pictures. I really liked the Bond silver matte finish, but if it was my cash, I don't think I'd like it enough to go above the 750 pound one mm. and if that's the case then i'd have the havana red yeah yeah it's a nice color mm. and it looks the car looks good in it as well yeah yeah it does uh the wheels that were fitted amazingly with this standard 18 inch ones and that meant there was a bit of sidewall which was <laughs> nice <laughs> mm. so i went i threw all this and recreated my car on the genesis configurator and looking at the Genesis' own finance calculator for PCP, if you put down £5,000, you commit to a maximum of 8,000 miles a year over 49 months. It is £821.35 pence per month with an APR of 5.9%. Again, that is all via Genesis. 
And that's a very low deposit as well, by yeah. the way, given yeah. that you probably have something to trade against. I think possibly some of that is because Genesis is so new. Yeah, well, quite often they'll be taking a certain amount of the the, the hit and the, the saving themselves. I'm sure if you had a chat with them, uh, you were interested, then they may be, be able to do some sort of some sort of deal uh, towards that, quite yeah. possibly. Uh, one of the things, by the way, this is the second best-selling vehicle in the Genesis lineup in the UK. I can see why. In this spec. Okay, shall I, I talk about the looks? So what does it look, so what's it, we've been through the colours in gory detail. Uh, what does it what does it look like? Well, I'll start off and reiterate that I think this is the best looking of the Genesis models. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you here because I've just opened this. Are these your pictures or are these from the press pack? They are my pictures. Once again, everyone, I am frustrated as heck that somebody never posts pictures, okay? <clears throat> yes, I got very lucky one morning and legged it out to a local mm -hmm. spot. And I'm sorry, Alan again <laughs> anyway yes tell us about the outside andrew <laughs> so uh, i think it's the best looking one of the range and it certainly got a lot of attention when i was out on the roads or by people approaching me at the school gates this is the first car where i've had people who've never talked to me before at the school gates come up and specifically speak to me because of the car going i really like your car that's that's quite a compliment it is. And you could see people on the uh, who were walking past or in other cars were looking for, a, initially for a double take, because it's like, well, mm -hmm. I don't recognize that. Yeah. But then there was a lot of appreciation for it. I think they've done a great thing here. The Veracross neck crane. Of, I don't understand what that is. What is it? As they go round and they turn right round. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I know the one. I think that the headlights help with that because at the front is the, the the front look of it. There's a wide shield like grill which matches in with their badge, mm. um, but it's just stretched across most of the width of the front of the car. And then the, it's got a split headlights, a bit like the BMW we talked about, the Seven Series we talked about recently, although mm. done nicer in this one, I think. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So it, it really stands out as something that doesn't look like anything else that's out there, hmm. particularly not in the premium market. I feel that they look more like a Bentley, but better, but actually better looking in some cases than anything else. And of course, with, uh, I won't say design director, but that's not his actual title, the head of design for the whole of the Hyundai group is, of course, Adrian von Heidunk, who is ex-Bentley. And that shows a little bit, I think, in some of the detailing. I think so too, because uh, generally the look is quite clean and simple. Mm. Genesis haven't gone for an angry face. They haven't gone for effectively the heavy panel damage down the sides that so many more have. They've seemed to gone for a restrained and conservative with a small C look, mm. um, which I, I don't mean that disparaging in any way. I mean that as a compliment at the moment. It is a nice palette cleanse compared to so many others out there. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I agree. Um, they maintain the split lights, by the way, around the back. Uh, so the rear lights split as well um, into two tiers. And then they fold around the back of the car. And, and you've got the really quite attractive back end as the, they've sort of expanded how big the window the window is at the back with some clever black panelling and stuff. 
Yes, the window, the, yes, yes. The bit that looks like it's window is much bigger than the bit that's actually window, isn't it? Yes. Just the way that it wraps around the sides of the tailgate. Yeah. Absolutely. But doesn't matter really, does it? <laughs> no. This is a really distinctive, good-looking car. It is such a rare thing to see a company come in with such confidence. I think that's what came across, comes across as well in the design language, is that they are confident in what they are bringing. They're not sort of hoping to steal a bit from here and a bit from there and put it all together and hopefully we get something that people like. They're confident mm. in their own design, what that represents. Yes, sorry, I don't really know what else to say to that, to be honest. That's the outside. Mm-hmm. Shall we, as is traditionally the case, move to the inside? Sounded dodgier than I meant, but never mind. Yes, and we'll start at the rear. <laughs> That's not helping. <laughs> Uh, the op- opening, by the way, is not regular. It sort of tapers. It's a little bit like the front grill. Uh, it's sort of almost like a shield shape, almost, mm. um, where it tapers in uh, from the shoulders back into the uh, where it meets with the bumper. But that means there's a lip that you've got to lift stuff over. Yes. Not only is there a lip, but then the, it's sort of you go in and then it expands again slightly mm-hmm. as you, well. You can't just slide a wardrobe into the back of it. That's what he's trying to tell you. No, you would have to. You would have to be clever doing that. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. It's not hugely wide yet, because the actual shape of it is more fastback than traditional estate. It runs quite deep, mm-hmm. so it is quite practical, and there the space is better than you would think if you, when you look from the outside. So okay. it gives four hundred and three liters with the seats up up to the bottom of the rear window. Yeah. Which is excellent that they actually tell you that on their website as well. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Does it have a, an undercroft as well, by the looks of it? There, there is an undercroft, yeah. But there's also little baskety bits at the side so that you can put small amounts of shopping in and it not roll out and roll all over the place, by the looks of it. Exactly. And there are a couple of really decent curry hooks as well. Oh, they are. They're nice and deep, aren't they? Yeah, your bag is not coming off those hmm. unless sure. you've had quite a major accident. <laughs> yes, <laughs> unless you're being really, really silly. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's good. What about the back seats then? Well, actually, there's just one more little feature of the boot. The parcel shelf stroke luggage cover is actually fixed to the rear door, the boot okay. lid. So instead of anything being like a retractable cover that's fixed behind the seats or a a hard cover that lifts up and down with the boot it all goes up and down with the boot lid itself so it makes getting in and out putting stuff in and all the rest of it so much easier does all of it lift up or just half of it all of it there's two tiers oh okay oh wow that's clever so it's a bit like uh, for long time listeners remember the last civic we had mm-hmm. a couple of three years ago or so that did a similar thing and it rolled out from the side on that as well yeah it? it did have the roll out from the side as well but the there side. was covers in the just below the the mm. glass in the boot lid mark one nissan duke does the same by the way mm-hmm. don't want to pee on anyone's parade with that one. <laughs> so i thought that was quite a clever little touch uh, and that mm-hmm. can be pulled out slotted out and everything as well if you've got more yeah. larger stuff so yeah or dogs and lifestyle going on in the back yeah 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 absolutely cool rear seats there are some yes oh that's good uh no <laughs> the doors open really wide actually to the point 
where if you're in the driver's seat, I've left a head slightly, you do have to lean out a bit because I'm not, I'm just sort of average height, but <laughs> I had to sort of lean slightly to get, the, if they were a full width extension on the opening, he said, oh, I'll, I'll get the handle now. Just give me a minute. <laughs> so just Every- be warned of that if you're in car parks. So if there's a gust of wind, because mm. they will go out wide. <laughs> but it is dead easy to get in and out the back. There's only two and a half seats, though. There's two very nice molded seats, and then there's sort of half seat in the middle. An uncomfortable lump, yeah. Which is almost a perch, (laughs) which is is okay if you've got kids Mm -hmm. who are big enough to not need a seat or Mm -hmm. uh, for for sitting down, but uh, it's not really for any length of time you are you are shuttling someone you're not going on a long journey with them on that seat because not no. only is the seat like a perch almost it's almost armrest height for the other two it's, seats it it really is it's they are quite heavily sculpted actually yeah. they're lovely and comfortable by the way because i did sit in them but there's also because it's rear wheel drive it's transmission tunnel and the cubby box from the front does intrude a bit as well so mm-hmm. Just be aware of that. Realistically, it is for four people. Okay. Okay. But it looks like uh, four people will be pretty comfy back there. There seems to be quite a lot of leg room and foot room and cubbies in the doors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're really, really comfortable seats. The uh, It's a perforated Napa leather for the two outer seats uh, and that sort of thing. There's At the back of the cubby box, there's a charging port and there's also um, directional air vents as you would expect uh, these days plus with the huge sunroof makes it feel open and airy back there where there could be a danger of it possibly feeling a bit claustrophobic if you had a darker interior than the one i had i had a Mm. a cream pill and uh, not necessarily one i'd go for as a family man but (laughs) but it did help to lift along with the uh, aluminium style trim that was mm. also around the interior of the cabin. Okay. So what about the front then? Oh, it's a very nice place to sit. Those seats are very comfortable. Driver's seat is a touch more comfortable because you do happen to get the bonus, or I did, of the uh, comfort seat optional extra, which involved having air pockets in the driver's seat uh, to absorb any imperfections in the road and help make you the driver even more comfortable than they already were. The front uh, of the cushion could extend electronically and help support mm-hmm. your leg you know, behind your knees and stuff. If you've got longer legs and things like that, memory seats and that sort of stuff. I don't know if it's worth 1300 pound extra on top of the price of the car. Does it not massage your bum and your back? I didn't try that. Yeah. But one thing it does do, if you turn it into sport mode or above, the bolsters give you a little squeeze, just a little reassuring squeeze. Yes. And also, apparently, if you go over a certain speed. Yes, a room, I'm told. Yeah. Thing is, I always switched it into sport anyway, so I never oh, was in no, normal no. and then it did it to me. So No, if you're in if you're in comfort and you go over a certain speed, then it gives you a little thing. The only trouble with that 
is that when you brake or when you're approaching traffic, just when the brakes are on and you drop down, then just at the point where you want that little extra hug, because <laughs> you know you're braking and stuff, it lets go of you, and you, it's it, it's a little bit counterintuitive because it's just when you're expecting stuff like the seatbelt and things to tighten up. Yeah, if you're having to to brake quite hard, then it goes and it's like it's just letting go of you, and it's like no, don't do this. But you know first world problems and all that <laughs> <laughs> yes quite i mentioned at the top of the show that it's part of the hyundai group and you can see some of that if you've been in other hyundai group cars in some of the switch gear the thing is i don't know if many people who go to the genesis brand will have been in a hyundai anyway and if you just looked at them cold Hmm. I don't think you are disappointed in the switch gear. It just so happens I hopped from a Kona inline into a Genesis recently. And you could see the similarities. You could see it in the switch gear in the, the way that the computer systems and stuff worked. It was the same. It, but it had a different front on it. And do you know what? It wasn't exactly an issue. No. I think you're right. I think that's a very much a mojo problem. I think it is only those of us who hop in and out of so many cars will go, oh, hang on, they are using the same switch gear that is in other cars. But is that bad switch gear? No. So does it matter? Yeah. Uh, then. I've got to moan about something. Yes, there are some hard plastic. In fact, there aren't. But yeah. No. <laughs> in the driver's seat, you get a three-spoke steering wheel. And you get the typical controls you would expect on it. So you can control what you see on the binnacle in front of you. You've got what you have on the infotainment system and also the phone functionality. But also, and this is really, really good, particularly currently with driver assistance technology, you have one button touches to deal with the driver assistance stuff. So you can change how close or how far you are on cruise control to vehicles in front of you. You can also switch off the lane keeping assist with the press of a button. You mm -hmm. can switch it on again. Again, only the press of a button. You're not shuffling through sub sub menus on a touchscreen while you're driving along going, how do I do this? It's all on the very easy to see buttons in front of you and the driver binnacle will tell you what is on and what is not on yes so you know <laughs> that's that's always handy these days it really is handy these days yeah they, they definitely should be a, an easy button thing so so i i applaud that and please don't ever change that genesis <laughs> mm -hmm. i just mentioned there before i can i could have adjusted or did adjust what was on the driver's binnacle so there's the typical info that you would expect. So there's the rev counter on one side and there is the speed on the other. And in between is the sort of stuff you could throw up that you would expect these days. So you get sat-nav directions, monitoring systems for the car, trip computer, the infotainment media, that sort of stuff. It also comes with a very good head-up display. And I just use mm -hmm. that, as I always do with yeah. these things. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Uh, by the way, in case you're listening and you're wondering why I'm almost saying things but not, I have also had a Genesis recently, uh, and of course that'll be a separate special edition. So I'm trying not to give too many opinions as I go through here. It's really very difficult because I'm such an opinionated sod. That is unfair but true. Uh, 
to just go through this quickly so that my uh, my colleague doesn't die mm-hmm. uh, internally again. Um, there mm-hmm. is a 10.25 inch touchscreen at the top of the center of the dashboard in between the passenger and the driver. But underneath that is a row of specific buttons, actual real buttons to go to bits of the menus you would want to. So like media, phone, contacts, navigation, that sort of stuff, and settings. So that is all there as a proper button for you to press, which will take you into that sub-menu, and you can deal with it from there. Excellent thing. Very much last-generation Hyundai Group tech, which has seems to have changed with more recent, newer vehicles. He's grumbling about the Ionic 5 again, everyone. <laughs> I think it was peak, and it didn't need to change. Mm. It works really well. It does yeah. work really well. It, 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 we, we spent, again, people who listen to us, we spent years saying it works. It does. It does. And it plays the sound of a Parisian street cafe. It will still do that. Yes, it will yes, still yes. do that. So I, you know, I'm not totally losing out on new things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So below that is the row for the heating and ventilation controls. Again, there's proper buttons and dials, but it should be noted. And I thought this was a little moment of, Surprise and delight. Underneath the far left and the far right dials, that, so that was for the temperature for the left-hand side and the temperature for the right parts of the cabin, underneath those was also in almost like a teardrop part hanging off the, the centre console was the button for the front windscreen clip quick clear and the rear windscreen demister. And I thought that was a really nice place to put it and it was easy to touch. And they didn't then have to create a whole new row of buttons somewhere or try and shove them in anywhere. They just sort of hang off. And I thought that was a nice little touch uh, and design feature because I've not seen that anyone else do that. No, no, it's quite nice. It's, it's quite a nice fall. Yeah. So below that's the Qi charger. There's a 12-volt charging socket as well as a USB connector and charger. So that will link you into Apple CarPlay, Android Auto as well, or syncing your phone into the the just the normal Genesis software. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Cool. Quickly rushing down the transmission tunnel now, because we're nearly there, everyone. On the driver's side, there is the gear selector and park button, and that auto applies the handbrake. Instead of you trying to slot the gear lever into park, you just press the button and it does it all for you. Opposite that are two cup holders. Then behind the gear selector is the drive mode dial, uh, which was Comfort, Sport, and Sport Plus. Okay. I went into Sport Plus, but didn't drive enthusiastically under it because I didn't need to. I, yes, and I never quite sure. what the, I hate, hate stuff called Sport Plus because you never know quite what it's turned off on you. Yeah, I if I was on a track, I might give that a go just to see what happened. Mm. But on the roads, I really don't ever want to have to phone the press office and say, really sorry, I switched off all the aids unknowingly and crashed your car. Yes. Please forgive me. Yes. (laughs) And you would never hear the end of it. No. (laughs) So uh, then behind the drive mode dial is the auto engine off on button, traction control on off, parking sensor buttons. Again, if you're close to traffic and you just want to stop the beeping you just switch that on and off and the auto hold button uh, and it really does hold well by the way you have mm. to give the accelerator a bit of 
a bit of a push to make it realise, no, I want to move away, please. Yes. When I was squidging onto the end of my drive, which requires some finesse to make sure all four wheels are off the road without sort of planting yourself into the small car that's very close behind you, I had to turn it off because it was just, I had to give so much that then all of a sudden then there was this, when you're trying to make fine movements, yeah, it was a little bit much. It it's it's fine if you're on a, a proper hill and stuff. Mm. It's really yeah, good totally. there because you you want to be definite. I'm pulling away mm. now. But if you, like like Alan says, if you're trying maneuvering to maneuvering in car parks, yeah, no, it's not helpful. But that's general for auto hold. Sorry, that's a sort of yeah, yeah, it is. Mine. But there's also the cameras button, so you can change the views above and around you. So you can do like a 360 from one mm. side and all this sort of stuff. So which is very helpful for parking, particularly because it's a shooting brake, so visibility isn't marvelous. Windows are smaller these days. If you've got the technology in there, we can use it. Why not? Uh, and then there's the electronic handbrake lever as well. Then we finally get to the armrest and the cubby box, which has yet another USB connector in it. And then we are done, Alan. No more buttons. Yay. Did you try? You didn't try the. I can't see a button for auto park in that one. Never mind. That's my latest toy that I've been playing with in cars. Is, is is making sure if it has the auto park, I will now test the auto park because I am such a big kid. I suppose you want to know what it's like to drive them. <sighs> Go on, it's going to be more interesting than the dashboard buttons. <laughs> I was surprised about the driving this. Right, what were you expecting? Uh, I was expecting something pretty sensible mm-hmm. a little bit similar to the Arteon where it's fine but it mm-hmm. doesn't excite me in any way it doesn't mm-hmm. engage with me it doesn't encourage me to perhaps go driving right use my right foot a bit more that sort of mm-hmm. thing Albert Beerman yeah I know, I know see this is the thing I, sh- I should have I should have expected yeah. I should have expected a very good drive mm-hmm. verging on the fun mm-hmm. in not again this is not we're not talking end territory here or anything this no, is but just very much in the style of a bmw 3 series to take yes. a hypothetical competitor yeah. yes <laughs> uh it was fun when i wanted it to be and yet it was smooth and relaxing when i needed it to be smooth and relaxing mm-hmm and there's very few cars that seem to get that mix right. They seem to lean far too much on one way or the other. Right. And I put it in sport mode. And as I said before, the first thing you notice is the seats go, oh, hello. Give you a little <laughs> hug. And I went, Don't you. thank <laughs> you. I like that. Thank you. That's very reassuring. <laughs> it's going, it's all right. We've got you. <laughs> uh, very much a surprise the psychologist would have hours of fun on this yeah. <laughs> but then I noticed that the engine note was a little bit naughtier than it had been in comfort mm-hmm. now I, I haven't been able to find out whether that's synthesized and whether that's just pumped into via speakers in the car or whether that comes through the exhaust as well. I think it comes through the exhaust as well because I was talking to a friend and then I drove off 
with it in sport mode, and they did text me to say that it sounded good. Hmm. Okay, well, that's a good sign. <laughs> but honestly, I don't care either way because I could hear it, and as far as I was concerned, that is what mattered. Fair enough. The chassis and suspension. Oh, it's just amazing. It's been so well fettled. It dealt with the dreadful lumps and bumps that you know my local roads have got. They are pretty appalling, everyone. And But it didn't go crashing over them. It, yeah, we didn't go like porpoising or anything like that. It just kept on going. And then when I pushed it on in sport mode, it didn't go, we shall go rock hard because that means sporty. It didn't do that at all. It was just a mm, little bit firmer. I hate that. So there was less, a little bit less body roll. It was a bit more controlled and that sort of thing. But it's what I said that I could switch between having fun and needing to be cosseted almost seamlessly. Mm-hmm. This is a fun bit of road. I want to do fun. Okay, I'm coming into a village or a town. I need to just be doing gentle driving at 30 miles an hour and concentrating for things like that. And it just did it with... It, it almost became seamless and it was almost um it was almost like it oh god it's going to sound ridiculous now but it was almost it was reacting to me before i needed it to react okay it was almost anticipating what i wanted mm-hmm. that's how good you mean the it was control just really was. good yeah it was just really good and I wasn't able to keep up with what he could do. <laughs> we are not driving gods and we do not profess to be. No, but it gave me obviously tons of confidence. Mm. So on the roads I know well around here that I know I can I can drive a bit more enthusiastically on where when it's safe to do so and all the rest of it, I had so much confidence going into corners and uh, over crests and round curves and stuff because... I just knew that the car was going to was going to be fine. I was not going to get understeer at the speeds I was doing. It was it had tons of grip, the tires were great. It it was just a joy to drive. Mm-hmm. And I was gutted I couldn't drive it more than I I did in the week I had it. I mean the the grins per miles if that was a measure was incredibly high on the WLTP we're, scale. We're not cheesy enough to introduce something like that. No, we're not. We're not going to do that. I shall leave that to others. And as I said earlier, and you mentioned, this is only a two-litre turbo. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 and it's an estate, so it's not small. Mm-hmm. We're not talking RS or M category here, but it was just it was quick enough. It was quick enough for normal day-to-day driving where I could put my foot down in sport mode and go, I've just had a little bit of fun, and that's great. But without going, oh, I've scared myself or the passengers, or, oh, I was a little bit close to losing my license type thing. It just Mm. felt just right for the car and for me as as the type of driver and the competence of driving that I have. Awesome. That's pretty good, I assume. I thought so. <laughs> that, that sounds pretty awesome, to be honest. Uh, one last bit, though, before we get to your verdict, and I have a funny feeling what that's going to be like. Uh, then um, what about the technology, Andrew? You've said it's a lot like some other cars that we've driven before uh, from within the same group. 
Yeah, the, the technology side of things leans heavily on the driver assistance stuff. So this came with smart cruise control, rear blind spot collision avoidance, lane keeping assist, forward collision avoidance system. So there's the two. Now, recently we talked about this with NCAP stuff. So it has got mm-hmm. the one for pedestrians, cyclists, and cars, but it also has the one for turning out of junctions. Oh, right. So that's sort of like the automatic emergency braking. Now, mm. on that particular route that I do that can trigger an AEB that isn't very well calibrated, this never did. Oh, right. That's pretty impressive. So I, I was I was happy to leave AEB on all the time at that point. It also got uh, intelligent speed limit as well as a manual speed limit, uh, lane following assist and highway driving assist. I did switch off the lane keeping assist because most of the time I wasn't on a motorway or a carriageway. When I went on the motorway, mm. I did switch it back on. Again, that's by one button because yeah. uh, it worked fine on the motorways when I uh, when I did my uh, run on the uh, like twenty miles or so on a motorway. It worked really well on that bit. Uh, it was no problem at all. So I was happy that it would work in the right environment. But when I was just on the town roads or country roads, I switched it off because that's not the right environment for such a system, especially with the, on a larger car. Yeah. They just get a little bit overly sensitive, don't they? Yep. <sighs> Verdict. Then I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell people something to be before you before <laughs> I let you speak, and that's very that normally when we each have press cars, we don't talk to each other about them before we record the special edition. No, we deliberately don't. Deliberately don't. On this one, someone wasn't quite able to restrain himself. Ever. Ever. So I had already had a full rundown of basically what you've heard delivered bit by bit uh, over the course of the week that he had this. There was one particular thing you said, wasn't there, about this? There was. I think there was two things, really, for me. Okay. When I first was in the car for the first couple of days, I was going, this is such an Allen car. It's a bit left field. It is adaptable to a lot of things he could want to do. It's premium. It's quick. It's comfortable. It's fun. It very much is. I'm quite a, flattered by all of this so far, by the way. Is an Alan Car. Well, I'm just thinking of the. Oh, what did Infinity. you have? The, the Infinity that you had. Mm. Now, uh, it's something I, I probably should have said earlier. Not that we're comparing it to Infinity, but a problem that Infinity had that you've explained is what happens with the servicing and all the rest of it. Yeah. Now, with Genesis, what they've got is they've got a five-year care plan. So there's a, the, in that is a five-year warranty. There's five years of servicing. There's five years of 24 hours a day uh, roadside assistance across Europe. Um, mm-hmm. There's five years of courtesy cars. And there's uh, five years of maps and over-the-air updates, and that's included in the. This is included in the price. They will come this to is you in the price. and take, yeah. yeah, take your car, and go service it, and then bring it back to you. Mm-hmm. That is how they are getting around. Which was a which was a question we had when we first heard about Genesis coming here. What are you doing about servicing and yeah. looking after people? They are making it a very much a concierge servicey type thing because you get a personal assistant. 
as well. Yeah. And I think that's a clever move. When I had the Infinity, I basically had to take it to Reading to get it serviced from Corby. And that's getting on for three hours. I think I could have taken it to Birmingham or other places too, but really the, the most convenient for me was Reading. To put that in into context. So, you know, there's 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 lots of stuff there that is that is different. Anyway, I've interrupted your flow. No, because the the other thing uh, I did say is that I thought it was it was such a me car as well <laughs> mm-hmm. at the same time, which it's not it's not usual that there's a car that we both go, yeah, that would work for both of us in both our circumstances yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. But this could allow me to take the whole family around, okay, albeit probably not all of us at once for very long journeys because of the way the back seats are set out. But the kids are not huge. They're not adult size yet. So the youngest would get put on the pedestal. <laughs> Mrs. Windscreen's Mrs. Windscreen's only little. She could sit back there. Okay, I'll let you suggest that. <laughs> Maybe after you've gone to America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even then, I'm still not sure that's far enough away. <laughs> but then if I'm on my own, I can just I can just drive a bit more enthusiastically and have a bit of fun and get out the car with a smile on my face and feeling a bit more relaxed. This, uh, I mean, I really like the looks. In case it doesn't come across, I really like the drive. <laughs> I love the no. form factor because it's a, a, a shooting brake stroke estate, and I love those as cars. <laughs> it, the only downside I can see to this car, the thing that was possibly going to prevent it doing so well in, say, company car parks, is the CO2 mm-hmm. emissions. It cannot yeah. get even close to the Arteon. But the the only other shooting brake I've had recently is the Arteon, even though it's, I would suggest, a bracket above, even though the prices are very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the G70 shooting brake blows the Arteon out of the water on every other scale, every other measurable thing, uh, even non-measurable things like smiles per miles <laughs> that, that we won't, we'll never measure. We are not introducing. <laughs> no. Uh, it just it just annihilates the Arteon. The Arteon isn't a bad car. This is just so much better. On which note, sorry, there's no uh, there's no cliffhanger to keep people I teased said, all the way through is, this there time. There is no cliffhanger on that. I'm, and then you know, what? I'm just going to leave you and just going to get on with the ending of the show. To be perfectly honest, because I don't know where I'm going to go with that. So, folks, don't forget between now and the next time, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of MotoringPodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, if people want to know more, if they feel that there is a button that has gone undescribed on the dashboard, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you about the Genesis you had that you won't tell them anything about until we've done the recording, what's the best way for them to do that? Best way for that is Twitter again, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back, as always, next week. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.